Welcome to the Farm Talks podcast, an audio edition of Farm Talk newspaper, your four-state ag news source. Farm Talk News has proudly been serving the four-state area with quality ag content since 1974. Listen in for 100% agriculture, 100% of the time. Tune in today with your host. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 3 of the Farm Talks Podcast. I'm your host, Emily Zaronis, the Associate Editor of Farm Talk News. If you are new to our channel, make sure to click the subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss an episode. Farm Talk's podcast prides itself on bringing you content from a different segment of agriculture each month to talk about the challenges and strategies that our listeners care about. Merry almost Christmas, and we hope you had a happy Thanksgiving this year. Last on the lineup for 2023 on the Farm Talks podcast, we are proud to welcome Nick Oakley with the Missouri Department of Conservation for a bit of turkey talk. As statewide turkey and goose biologist, Nick prioritizes habitat reconstruction to rebuild the turkey population in rural areas. Thanks for joining me on the podcast today, Nick. I would love for you to tell me and our listeners a little bit about yourself and what you do. Yeah, of course. Thanks, Emily, for having me. Um, So as you said, my name is Nick Oakley. I'm the Wild Turkey Program Coordinator with the Missouri Department of Conservation. So what that means is I essentially I set our our season regulations and things like that. And then I I kind of uh, quarterback the research projects that we've got going on throughout the state as it relates to turkeys. I also have the rough grouse population falls under me as well, uh, but our population is fairly small. So so admittedly, most of my time is spent thinking about, talking about, and working with turkeys. I grew up in central Missouri in a kind of outside a small town in, in Boone County, a little town called Ashland. I went to school at the University of Missouri, got a degree in, in wildlife biology, and then I got one at forestry as well, uh, which was kind of a nice little package deal they did there at MU. Uh, after that, I spent a fair bit of time out west just working on a variety of, of seasonal jobs, kind of trying to fine-tune the things that I was interested in, what I wanted to do with my life, essentially. And through a variety of circumstances, ended up in, in Laramie, Wyoming, where I ended up going to grad school. So I got my graduate degree, uh, master's degree there at the University of Wyoming. Shortly after completing that, I uh, ended up coming back to Missouri, uh, got a job with the Department of Conservation as an hourly for a few months, and then and then fairly quickly moved into the to the turkey position when it opened. So it's been it's been kind of a, a crazy 10, 10 years, never in, in one place for more than a year or so, but I'm happy to, to be settled in a little bit. Well, we're sure happy to have you back in Missouri. So tell me a little bit about the turkey population across the state. This is something that we haven't really explored a lot through this podcast yet, and really wanting to know anything in particular that producers should know about in turkey populations that may have an impact across the state? Yeah, so I'll give a a brief history lesson, uh, if you don't mind. So turkeys at around the the turn of the 20th century, you know, starting around 1900, uh, the population was very low in Missouri, you know, a couple thousand birds. Most of those birds were isolated and and kind of the big tracks of timber and the Ozarks. Around uh, the mid-1950s, the Department of Conservation Biologists started to kind of experiment with, with moving birds around the state, finding new places to, to, to stock them so that hopefully we could start to rebuild the population, right? A, a pretty classic restoration story. It turned out it went really, really well. So our first our first turkey season was in 1960. 
that year they shot like 94 total birds. It was a two or three day season in a, in a handful of counties, so pretty pretty limited. Um, but by 2004, turkey harvest during the spring season had kind of blossomed to, to over 60,000. So uh, over a, our 45-year period, we saw you know extraordinary increase in, in the population of turkeys across the state. Fairly soon after that, we started to see you know harvest decline. And now we use harvest as sort of a proxy for turkey abundance just because it's the easiest way we can collect those data. The hunters tell us how many birds they've shot. And from that, we can kind of estimate where the turkey population is at that point. But between uh, 2004 and, and this year, harvest went through kind of a couple periods of declines, little rebounds, declines, little rebounds. But the last five years between like 2017 and, and 2022, turkey populations were, were kind of at one of their lowest points since, you know, maybe the 1980s or so. So that, that concerned a lot of folks. Uh, happily this year, our, popula- our, our harvest, excuse me, rebounded. We shot about 45,000, a little less than 45,000 birds this spring, which was, you know, one of the highest numbers we've had since kind of the mid 20 teens. So things are looking pretty good there. Sort of associated with the population and, and kind of like ways we think about how we measure population, turkeys is, is production. So that's the, the number of like young birds or poults that the, that the hens produce on a yearly basis. Uh, and we saw production start to decline in kind of the mid 80s. So whenever we look at sort of our, our long-term data sets, right? So we had research done in the 80s, some done in the 90s, some done in the 20, like 2015 or so. We see that, that while some of the, the demographic rates, right? Like, so adult survival hasn't really changed much. Nesting rates haven't changed much, but our poult and nest success, like our, our, our poult survival and nest success has declined fairly significantly. So that's sort of what we, what we think is driving some of the decline that we've seen in the population. Now, the good news, uh, as I see it from, from, my, from my desk, looking at it sort of the statewide scale, is that I think the decline has happened, right? So, so some of the decline we could have predicted based on some, some population ecology, right? So when a population or, or a species gets restored in an area, we start to see you know, that rapid growth, which we did see, and then, and then often the population will overshoot carrying capacity, which is sort of a, a bottleneck where, where there's just not enough resources. And then at that point, the population starts to decline a little bit. I think we've gone through that post-restoration decline. So now we're, we're sort of in a, in a stability zone, I think. We'll, we'll certainly still see some, some population swings where, where we'll have a few years where the population goes up and then a few years where the population goes down as we sort of stabilize but overall, I think I think the turkey numbers in Missouri are, are pretty darn strong, and I think that's fairly well supported with our with our harvest last year. At, you know, almost forty five thousand birds. So the stabilization period that you talk about, you think it'll last a, a portion of three years, five years. When do you think we get to a point where we start to really rebound those numbers from the low that we had through twenty seventeen through twenty two? It's a great question. Uh, so we certainly don't know. That's one of those situations where there's just a thousand factors that, that come into play. I would say that we're going to be we're going to be seeing fluctuations for decades, right? Um, we'll have three or four years of good production, which will then produce three or four or five or six years of, of good turkey hunting, and then we'll have a couple of bad weather years in a row or, or something like that, and then we'll see the, the population decline as a result. So, so whenever you know stabilization is, is going to be relative over a long term. So, if we look back and at 15 years and see that we haven't changed, you know, as far as harvest goes, five or 10% on a yearly basis, then I would consider that a fairly stable population. 
So does weather impact that as well? I know that especially in Southwest Missouri, we have been experiencing drought for the past two years. Up in more of the northern parts, you get a little more consistent rain. And so does that impact certain parts of the state? Is that something to be concerned about with turkey populations? Yeah, weather plays a really key role in a couple of ways. So the, the, probably the, the way that it, it has the most impact is in our poult survival. So there's probably a, a three or four week period in, in the spring when, when, the, when the turkey poults are you know, just hatching that they can't re- thermoregulate. And so they're, they're, they're really susceptible to cool, cool, wet weather at that point. So, so it's not so much that we need a drought for all, uh, you know, for an extended period of time, but if we can have real targeted <laughs> dry periods in the, in the mid, you know, kind of mid or middle to late May, that would be kind of ideal. You know, there's some concern with, with weather as it relates to, to vegetation growth as well. So if we've got real, real dry weather, you know, the, the places that the hen is nesting aren't going to be as dense or, or as lush. You know, that certainly plays a role. But the, the primary concern with weather is keeping those poults dry and warm for the first couple weeks of life. That, that really helps their survival rates. And then are there some conservation practices that our listeners, our producers, or anywhere in the four states, not just Missouri, should implement to keep these turkey populations strong so that we we keep on that groove to hopefully improve population numbers as the decades go on? Yeah, so there's a whole variety of things you can do. I don't, unfortunately, I don't have the opportunity to talk to farmers very often. I tend to talk to, to turkey hunters, you know, where their, their primary motivation in life is, is, is growing and, and shooting more turkeys. Um, so for them, you know, it, nothing's off limits, right? Uh, however, uh, an audience like Farm Talk, I suspect, you know, there, there's obviously folks are, are making their living off the, off the land, right? So, so, so there's a lot of things we can do on the periphery, right? If we've got edges of fields that aren't as productive, letting those go fallow. They don't even really necessarily need to be planted in anything in particular. Weedy ragweed is, is great fruit rearing habitat. Um, that's the sort of thing that, that can make small differences on the periphery. Any parts of property that are wooded in particular that aren't in production, you know, generally speaking throughout much of Missouri and most places I see our wooded areas are, are, are getting overstocked, right? And by that, I mean, there's there's just too many trees per acre or the trees are too big. And essentially what that does is it limits the amount of sunlight that we see hitting the forest floor. So with woodland management in particular, kind of the, the idea is, is to thin the, the timber as much as you can, right? To let more sunlight da- to, down to the ground. And then whenever you, whenever you go through a thinning process, and that can be done through timber stand improvement or a, you know, a harvest where, where you actually have a logger come in and, and take, take timber off to, to sell, you really do need to follow that up with some some post-harvest or post-TSI maintenance, and typically that comes in the form of a prescribed fire. Prescribed fire is going to be one of the the best tools that that our that our land managers can use to to really stimulate that herbaceous layer um, to grow a real diverse forb layer on the on the forest floor. And so, kind of the, the habitat management that I'm that I'm kind of hinting at or, or, or working around. So. So what we really need to do is we need to, to, to give hens more places, like good high quality places to put a nest, and we need to, to, to increase our, our brooding area, our brooding cover. And so nesting areas tend to be pretty dense, thick, kind of brambly places, places you wouldn't want to walk through, uh, nor would a predator. And then brooding cover tends to be kind of quite a bit different than that. It's, it's, it's more open. 
So if you can imagine a, a turkey pole is only five or six inches tall when it hatches, uh, it needs to be able to navigate through the vegetation to, to find insects uh, and to escape predation. So, so that tends to be a lot more open than places where we would like to find nesting cover. Now the trick there is, is that we need nesting cover pretty close to brooding cover, unfortunately. So, so kind of a, a tapestry or, or a patchwork approach to, to habitat management, especially in the wooded areas, is, is ideal. We're, we're, we're standing up a, a new initiative in the Department of Conservation, and we're, we've named it the Turkey Habitat Initiative, not terribly creatively. But essentially what we're, what we're hoping to get from this or, or, or generate with this, this habitat initiative is, is a few documents that we, can, that we can give to folks who are interested in improving, improving their properties for turkey production in particular. And we'll have a whole section in that that speaks to ways that, that folks who make a living off their land can make changes that, that not only you know help them maintain their, their bottom line, but also kind of works in the turkey's favor as well. So uh, I suspect that'll be, we'll start publishing those things in the next six to 12 months. So, so if you're interested, keep an eye out for that. And then the last little piece of information or tidbit of help I could give is if you have an interest in, in improving your turkey habitat, the Department of Conservation employs a, a group of folks called our private lands conservationists, and, and that's their job, right? So at no cost to you, they'll come out to your place, walk around with you, uh, and give you habitat recommendations that, that work with, within your kind of your purview. So if you're a cattle operation, they'll help make recommendations that, that don't hurt your bottom line and, and also hopefully improve the, the habitat at the same time. So that's a that's a resource that I'm not sure a lot of folks know about, but it's one that's really great. Uh, and then they're also really connected with the, with the USDA so they can help with getting federal and state cost share funds as well. So that's a quite a resource and, and, and service that the Department of Conservation offers that I would recommend everyone take advantage of. Yeah, and that's excellent to know. Thank you for sharing that information. So I do want to ask more on the numbers side. So the yep. turkey productions across the state, can you tell me how many of those there are, how many turkeys we're seeing across the state? Yeah, so, you know, it's, it's always, it's hard to count every single turkey in the state, so this is certainly an estimate. But, um, you know, based on the harvest, based on the, 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 the hatch we had this year, I would estimate the population to be somewhere around 400,000 turkeys, the statewide level. You know, densities are, are variable at different regions across the state. So kind of the, the, the Missouri and Mississippi River corridors tend to have denser turkey populations. I think it's just a slightly more uh, hospitable as far as kind of the patchwork of, of habitat that we talked about. You got a lot more 10 and 20 acre little like uh, hunting properties than, than in other parts of the state. Uh, certainly northern Missouri can, depending on, on the quality of the hatch, have, have higher densities of turkeys and, and then the Ozarks certainly are, uh, are kind of a stronghold. Uh, unfortunately, the southwest part of the state for, for a very long time has had relatively low turkey densities. Talked to some of the old turkey biologists from the 80s and 90s and they don't have a particularly good or very well supported understanding of why uh, turkey densities seem lower in the southwest corner of the state than in other parts of the state. But yeah, overall densities are pretty variable. But the, the overall state population, I think, is, is still very strong, especially when you, you compare that to some of our neighboring states. 
So you talked earlier about predation, and I want to backtrack a little bit to talk about what kinds of predators are out there for turkeys. And a lot of times we use lethal control on those creatures. Is that something that you recommend or what kind of prevention tactics should we be putting in place to keep these populations active? Yeah, that's a great question. And I, I probably should have probably should talked to it more when I was discussing habitat management because I think they, they go together pretty well. Uh, so some of the primary predators that, that turkeys, you know, that, that are typically associated with turkeys. So for nesting turkeys, right, so we're talking about our nest predators, those are our raccoons and possums and skunks and things like that. Uh, certainly armadillos uh, will eat a turkey egg, but the research I've seen doesn't indicate that they're going to be a primary nest predator. Uh, they may they may run across the nest here or there, uh, but that's not going to be a, a primary concern for, for most of the turkeys, at least in Missouri. As far as, a, you know, pulp predators, those are those are things, you know, more like coyotes, bobcats, foxes, stuff that can kind of chase down a turkey pulp pretty effectively. And then for adult predators, uh, or predators of adult turkeys, you know, it's, it's again more like the coyotes and bobcats. Now, a suite of predators that we probably don't think about a whole lot are our avian predators. So things like red tail hawks, red shouldered hawks, and great horned owls. They very likely eat turkey poults, and, and we know that that great horned owls are actually adult turkey predators as well. So those are those are a suite of, of species that we don't actually have any control method measures for. Right, they're federally protected you're not allowed to remove them under almost any circumstance. So whether or not lethal control is going to, to have an impact really depends on a couple of things. I've always been of the opinion, and I think this has given me the reputation of being opposed to predator control, which, which isn't really the case, but I've always been of the opinion that, that, that good habitat management is a form of predator control and that places that a, that a hen would, would prefer to nest are places that a nest predator is not likely to find the nest essentially right so there's a nest buried in a in a big set of brambles you know we're just not gonna the coyote's not gonna just go wander in there and, and happen across a nest so good habitat management is good predator management that said if you have good habitat and your your concern with your turkey population absolutely try and implement a, a well thought out predator management approach so focusing your 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 trapping and and, um, and hunting pressure you know as close to the to the nesting season as possible and then around areas that you know are, are good nesting and brooding areas removing animals removing predators from those areas are gonna are gonna help you more so than you know shooting a coyote out in a, in a cornfield so i'm not you know i'm not dismissive at all of, of predator control i just think that as far as a return on investment the amount of time you spend for the benefit you get from it habitat work is is probably going to get you more bang for your buck, at least at the beginning. Excellent. And so I really want to fast forward here. We talked a little bit about the future and obviously no one knows the future, but in your perfect world of of turkey populations, uh, if everything went exactly how you would want it to, or even not, where do you see the trend going in turkey populations headed into the next one, five, or 10 years? Is it looking positive? Is there something else that we as producers, as people of Missouri, people of the four state area need to be doing to to keep that trend on a positive curve? Yeah, I am very optimistic about the next few years. So we had a, we had a very good hatch this year. Every region of the state had more turkeys, hashed more turkeys, had, had more poults than, than we've seen in the last, you know, 10 or even 20 years compared to that 
kind of 10 or 20 year average. So, so that's a very good thing. You know, one, one very good year uh, of turkey production kind of ripples for, for many years to come. We have that big cohort we call the 2023 group, right, if, if you will. So, you know, next spring, I would expect turkey hunters to see more jakes whenever they're out turkey hunting. And then in, in 2025, right, that's going to be a turkey season where there should be quite a few more gobblers out on the landscape than, than what we've seen in the last few years. You know, you said if everything goes perfectly according to plan, next spring we actually anticipate a, a big cicada hatch. And those are, are pretty tightly correlated with very good turkey production years as well. So it's, it's not at all outside the realm of possibility that we could string together two or three, you know, four good years of, of turkey production and, and really start to see some harvest numbers, you know, creeping back up into the, to the range where people remember it again as the, as the good old days, if you will. So I'm very optimistic about the next, you know, the short period. You know, as you start to, to reach out to 10 years, you know, that starts to bring in a lot of uncertainty. You know, if we have a couple of wet springs in that 10-year period, things like that, you know, we could start to see things kind of go back down, right? And that's part of that fluctuation that you would have seen naturally, you know, 10,000 years ago. There's just going to be good years and bad years for turkeys. But what we could do as, as land managers, as, as turkey enthusiasts, is do everything we can to get more of that brooding cover on the ground. I think that's going to be our, our surest way to increase production uh, as we move forward is just to get more habitat on the ground. That there's a variety of ways of doing it, uh, and I would definitely recommend you contact your private land conservationist if you have any interest in doing that. Because I think there's there's some fairly common sense and, and beneficial ways that we can we can make those changes without hopefully you know impacting anyone's bottom line. So we can kind of work together in that regard. Excellent. There's a lot of good information that you shared with us today. And is there anything over the course of our conversation that we didn't talk about or anything else that you would love for our listeners to know about? Yeah, just to reiterate, to, to keep an eye out for that Turkey Habitat Initiative information. I think I think what we're hoping to do is, is really give folks kind of a guide on this is what you've got currently on your property. You know, if this is what you want, these are the steps to take. I, I really hope it'll be kind of a, a step-by-step approach to, to getting more of that of that important habitat on the ground. You know, certainly we'll we'll do our best to to publicize it as much as we can as as we start to to get those products finalized. We're going to have a video series in WTF, the National Wild Turkey Federation, provided a very generous grant so that we could film some some kind of how-to videos, this is what the habitat looks like, here's what we'd like to do, you know, some before and afters and that sort of thing. So those should be coming out this spring, and I hope those are really beneficial and people can kind of start to better understand what what I mean when I'm talking about brood habitat, because it's very much a case of uh, a picture's worth a thousand words in that case. Me, me talking about it doesn't necessarily make a lot of sense, but if you if you see what I'm what I'm looking for, I think you'll know that it's it's pretty uncommon across the landscape and looks a, a, a little a lot different than what what you see usually. So, you know, gives gives us all something to shoot for. Excellent. Well, I greatly have enjoyed having you on the show today and sharing a bit of your knowledge and people know where to where to go to reach out to Missouri Conservation to get these programs in place. So, I wish you a great rest of your day and thank you for being on the show with us. Yeah, thanks for having me, Emily. Thanks for tuning in today on the Farm Talks podcast. For the top ag news in the four-state area, you can find a copy of Farm Talk newspaper in your mailbox, at a newsstand, or online at farmtalknews.com. Thanks for listening.